I am I feel a little bit surreal to be honest being in the space I've been in the space many times before uh, many different evenings and mornings and now seeing you guys here it, it just does feel a little bit different but I think as I prepared for today I thought about how there is power in meeting together it's good to be together it's it's good for us to be in the space I know a lot of you have missed it and I'm so glad that we're able to do it again. Uh, I read an article at the beginning of this year. It was published by Inc. Magazine. It was research done by Harvard University. And they studied 724 men over 79 years. And at the end of that, they tried to find out what success and happiness comes from. Do you want to have a guess? It's getting late. Are you guys already tired? You're already thinking about bed? Not used to this? Anyone want to have a guess? relationships. Tari just knows, you know, she read the article. Close relationships is what they said was the secret to success and happiness in life. And I think that's why we've missed this, you know. We've missed being together. It's been hard to do big and small moments in our lives, like isolated. Some of you have lived on your own for months and months at a time feeling lonely, and that's hard. As we did our research about where the church is at, many of you said cabin fever and loneliness. It's the hardest thing you've dealt with over the last while and can understand that. So that's why I want to say well done for walking and trusting God through all of this. I was amazed as we put out that questionnaire how most of you said that what you've missed over the last seven months of not meeting as a church wasn't you know, seeing me in person or anything. It was worshiping together. It was coffee with people. It was seeing one another. It was being in the presence of God as the people of God in one place. And I agree. I've missed that too. I've missed being in person with you. It's, it's not the same. We um, have enjoyed church at home over the last while. But as soon as we were able to invite a few people into our lounge, things changed. and just got better. You know, it was really cool to take communion with people other than Shell. August's not doing communion yet. So Shell and I, we took communion, but to do it with more people and to pray for others, and hear where people were at, and to do ministry, and to hear other voices singing was a powerful thing. I've missed that. We were made for community. And I think if you didn't believe that before, you probably do now. We're made for community with God first. We spoke about that a few weeks ago, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit welcoming us into that dance of the Trinity to know Him better. But we were made for this community too. And that being taken away from us for the last while has been hard. I, um, I came here last week, and not just because I was missing church, but we were getting ready for tonight. We joined CityGate service at 3 p.m., and we just kind of planned and looked a little bit. And I was with a church that I don't know that well. I know about 15 people in the church, but to worship with them and pray with them and hear the teaching and see the people and just be with brothers and sisters in the space was so good. I'm one of those guys who arrives first and leaves last. And it was exactly the same with Citygate Church. I had to drag myself out of here because it was good to be with God's people. And I hope you feel that tonight. I hope this refreshes you. I hope it's good to be together with God's people again. I think gathering together as a church like this is a gift that we probably took for granted for years. And now hopefully we'll never take for granted again. I'm hoping we're saying this is important. We, we need this. This is massive for me. This is massive for my walk with God. When Jesus ascended to heaven, the church was about 120 people. Think about that. I mean, there's 100 chairs out here tonight. I don't know how many people are in this room. 120 people were left behind. He said, I will build my church 
and then for 2,000 years he's been gone, and a quick Google will tell you there are 2.3 million people, billion people who call themselves Christians on the face of the earth today. 2.3, if your maths is bad, that's a lot bigger than 120. It's a lot of people. And another Google will tell you there's about 37 million Christian churches in the world. It's a lot of churches. And since that day 2,000 years ago, Jesus has been building his church. And during COVID, Jesus has been building his church. And the kingdom of God is advancing. I hope you believe that. I hope you believe now, even now in this room, God is building his church. He's advancing his kingdom. So tonight, with that in mind, we're going to take a little break from Philippians. We'll carry on next week. But I wanted to talk about why we gather tonight, why that's important for us, why meeting like this matters, why we've missed it so much over the last seven months, how key it is for our growth. And I hope it'll encourage you. We're going to be in Acts 20 and John 20 tonight. Shepherd at the back will put up the scriptures for us, but you can turn to Acts 20 in your Bibles if you want. These are some of the... Battery. These are some of the first church services we see in the Bible. And it's some of the few services where we actually see what happened when God's people got together in the early church. So I hope it will encourage you about what happened, but also why this happens. So Acts 20 verse 6 to 8 says this. But we sailed away from Philippi. I mainly included verse 5 to link us to Philippi. You know, this is the book we're talking about at the moment. They were there doing ministry with God's people and then sailed on after the festival of unleavened bread. And in five days, we reached them at Troas, where we spent seven days. On the first day of the week. That's not Monday, that's Sunday. On the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. I'll try and be done by 7.15 tonight. We'll see how the evening goes. But they started early, and they went long. And there were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were assembled. I think this works well. Many lamps in this room. We're doing exactly what the Bible wants. So what does this tell us about the gathering of the church? Well, well, firstly, we see where they met. They met in the room upstairs. And for some reason, it gives us this detail about the aesthetics. There were many lamps in that room. It was well lit. You could read your Bibles in that space, just like in here. But we see in the New Testament that the church met all over the place. They met in homes. They met in the temple. They met outside. They met in a lot of different spaces, and we as a church have done the same thing. Our first venue was the Durban Botanic Gardens, the oldest institution in Durban. And if you were there back in the day, that was a really cool venue. We had some kids come, and they said, oh, I want to go to the church with the ducks. They wanted to be in the church with the best backyard in the whole world, and it was amazing. We've uh, walked around it a few times in the last few months and just popped into that room and remembered the good old days, you know. But we met at the Botanic Gardens. We met at DHS. We met in homes, we've met on the beach, we've met at Glenwood Prep for the last six years or so. We've been in a whole bunch of different places, and now we find ourselves here at Glenwood, Glenridge at the station. We've met at 10 a.m., 9 a.m., now 6 p.m. A church is not a venue. A church is not a time. A church is not a building. A church is not events. A church is the people of God gathering together for the purposes of God. That's why we're here. And a church is not a building. We, we, we gather in a building like this, and this is a beautiful space. Glenridge have been so kind to let us meet you. But we gather together here to be in God's presence, to worship, for preaching, to pray, to hang out, to drink coffee, all of that. So at the end of tonight, we can be scattered around the city to go to your workplace tomorrow, to go to your home, your neighborhood. 
that we can carry on the mission of God so that we can join God in what he's doing in Durban so that we can play our part to see the light of God shine into the darkness, to see his kingdom come. So that's where they met and a little bit of why. When did they meet? I've already said the first day of the week. They met on Sunday. And that was a bit of a break from what the Jews had been doing. They, they met on the Sabbath day on Saturday. But in Acts 20 and in John 20, we see them meeting on the first day of the week on Sunday. Why do you think that was? Because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. And every time a church gathers like this on a Sunday... We remember and celebrate that we're not preaching a message about someone who died on a cross, but someone who died and rose again. We, we're worshiping a living Messiah. Jesus is alive. He rules and reigns. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he rules and reigns over all things, not just the church, but he is alive and active in our world today. That's why we're meeting and that's why we're gathering and that's why we're singing these songs here tonight. Jesus is alive. Some people call Sunday the Lord's Day because of that, because Jesus rose on the Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. And I looked at my Google Calendar when I was preparing. I know you can change the settings, so don't get me wrong here, but my Google Calendar starts on Sunday. If you think of Monday as the start of the week, then we're getting it wrong. You know, we set our alarms for whatever time it is, six, seven, five, four, whatever time you're up, and we go into the work week. But actually, Sunday is the start of the week for the church. We gather like this, together as God's people, to recalibrate, to have our heads lifted. After seven months not doing this, we need to gather. After seven months, we need to have our heads lifted out of all the things that have been going on to see him, to be reminded of who he is, to remember what he has done, to remember who we are, to remember why we exist and what he's called us to do in Durban. This is the first day of the week where we come into God's presence and then go and finish the week. We do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then gather again. We start here in God's presence together. And this is something that Jesus instituted. In John 20, we see this better than anywhere else. In verse 19, it says, When it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. And Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. He's going to say that three times. You'll see that again and again. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, called Twin, one of the 12, he was one of the disciples or apostles, was not with them when Jesus came. Jesus was keeping score of who was at church. I'm not going to go into that at all. Verse 25, so the other disciples were telling him, they met up afterwards. They went to the beach, they went to Afros, they had lunch together. And they're like, Thomas, dude, you missed it. You would not believe what happened in this meeting because Jesus was with us. He came, he appeared, he spoke, he was moving in the meeting. So the other disciples were telling him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas was someone who had known Jesus for years. He was one of the 12. 
He'd heard Jesus teach. He'd seen the miracles. He'd spoken to Jesus, spent time with Jesus. But he doubts that Jesus has really been raised from the dead. And I want to say tonight, if you're here and you've got doubts about Christianity, that's okay. You're welcome here. If you're asking questions about the faith, you are welcome here. If you are not a Christian, you're welcome here. If you're exploring Christianity, you're welcome here. If you don't know what you believe, you're welcome here. Thomas, one of his own followers, didn't know where he was at. He said, unless I see the proof, I'm not going to believe you guys and what you're saying. Verse 26, a week later, the next Sunday, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. If this Jesus guy was really doing what they said he was doing, Thomas didn't want to miss this. He wanted to be where Jesus was, and he wanted to see if this was true. This is a good place to explore the message of Jesus. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. That's the third time. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Seems like Jesus was eavesdropping on Thomas's conversation just a little. He knew what Thomas had been thinking and what he was talking about. And I want to say Jesus knows the same with us. He knows what's on your mind. He knows what your questions are. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you were talking about in the car on the way here. And he's able to answer those questions. Would you explore that with him? And Thomas responds and says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. It's a moment of worship. Thomas has doubted. He's had questions about Jesus. And maybe he still does. It doesn't seem like his questions have been answered. But it seems like in his experience of Jesus, Jesus has become bigger than his doubts. His experience of Jesus is more than what he's been questioning and what he's not sure about. So in this moment, he worships, he believes, he's following, he's into Jesus. He has a revelation. And I want to ask if you've had that. You know, you, you could have been in church for a long time, like Thomas, hearing a lot about Jesus for a long time, but you haven't had this revelation, my Lord and my God. You haven't encountered him for yourself. Maybe you would ask him to reveal himself to you in a new way, in a fresh way. Maybe you need Jesus to be more than just an idea. Maybe, maybe you need to know him for yourself. You can. You can know him for yourself. He wants to reveal himself to you. Now listen, there's a lot going on in this passage about what happens when the church gathers. But let me look at the most important question. Why did they meet? What do we learn from John 20 about why the church got together like this? The first thing I want to say, and I know this is a little aside, is they all gathered. I know Thomas missed the first one, but he repented. He was there the next week. But they all gathered. They all came together because they knew this was such an important thing. Churches gather. The people of God get together regularly. Now, we've all kind of broken that for the last seven months. So let me read you a verse that's going to let us all off the hook. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider one another. How's that when we talk about the church meeting? Let us consider one another, not ourselves. Let us think about each other. In order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing for seven months, that's been a habit. We haven't gathered in person. We've maybe been in our homes. We've watched church at home, but we haven't done this for seven months. We've been out of this habit. But encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about the day of the Lord when Jesus would return. He's saying one of the things we need to be doing as the church is reminding each other Jesus is coming. He's coming back. 
He's coming. Don't forget. Don't look down. Don't just get stuck in the present. Think about the future. Think about eternity. Think about the world to come. So we see here we need to be in a habit of gathering together as the church. Habits are decisions and actions that we build into our lives. Some intentionally, some unintentionally. But we do that hopefully because they matter. Here the writer of Hebrews is saying, build into your life, gathering together with the church. Now, I don't know what your habits have been like during lockdown. I can brag for the first two or three months of lockdown that I got into a really good habit of fitness. I went down to my garage about five times a week, and I skipped, and I trained. I couldn't go to the gym to box, so I did it in my garage for two or three months. And then I stopped completely till now. I don't think I've exercised more than a walk in about three months. I know some of you guys have put on weight during lockdown. Some of you have lost weight. You're amazing. Well done. But some of us have gotten into good habits. We've done the training thing. We've eaten well. We've spent time with God, whatever it is. And some of us have even gotten out of the good habits we had. I was crushing it for two months. And now I've been crushed. (laughs) I need to go back down to the garage. I need to train again. And I think that's what's going on here, you know. We need to develop the habit of gathering together again. For some of us, that muscle memory is gone. For me, I've been in church since I was 12. Most Sundays for the last 22 years, however old I am, I've been in a church service, most of them. But for seven months, I haven't. This is the first time in the history of the world that the church has not gathered for this long a period of time. This is a habit we need to redevelop. This is muscle that we need to develop back in our bodies, in our routines, in our weeks. I think Harbor City, for us, this is a season of rebuilding. A lot has changed over seven months. In our lives, personally, socially, economically, in the church, we need to rebuild over the next while. Would you commit to rebuilding? Would you commit to the things God is wanting to build in your life? Would you commit to what he's wanting to do in this church? Would you be a builder of those things? So why gather like this, like they all did? Well, Hebrews 10 says to consider one another. That only came to me today when I was finishing preparation. When it says, why do we gather? It starts with one another, not ourselves. And that is so challenging for me. You know, I want to meet with God. I want a word from God. I want to be encouraged tonight. But the writer of Hebrews says, consider one another. Don't just think about yourself. Don't just think, what can I get out of this? Church is not like when we go to the cinema, you know. I I feel like cinema is an old person word. I don't know what word I'm meant to use instead of that. When you go to the movies and you sit down and you watch a film, there's a film in 34, guys. I've been in lockdown for a long time. I'm falling apart. You sit down and you watch and you receive. And in the church, we can sit down and watch and receive and not do what Hebrews 10 is calling us to do. We make this entirely about ourselves entirely about what we get from God, and then we leave. But here it says we should consider others and how we can provoke one another to love and good works. I hate that the word is provoke there. Other translations say spur on. I remember Nick preaching about this many times, like having a spur on your foot and digging it into the horse or whatever you're riding, you're spurring it on to move. When I think of provoking, I think of sticking my fingers under someone's armpit and like jolting them and then they get up like that, you know. And when I see provoke one another to love and good works, that's what I think of. I think of just jolting someone and you're up, okay, I'll love people, okay, I'll do good works. And that is what is going on there. 
as a church, we are jolting each other, spurring each other on, provoking one another to be who God's called us to be and to do what God has called us to do. To encourage one another. That's a bit gentler. And then reminding each other of eternity. When did you last remind someone that Jesus is coming back? When did you last remind someone that this world is not all there is? When did you last remind someone of eternity? Lifting our heads up. So please don't show up to church 10 minutes into worship and leave five minutes before the end as I pray. Bow your heads, let's close our eyes and pray. You duck out the back because that is not the picture here in Hebrews 10. The picture is as we come into a space like this, we look around, we see who's here and we say, God, how can I encourage? Let me consider, let me intentionally think about how I can build up this community of people. God, what have you put in my hands? What is the gift that you've given me that I can build up this community, that I can encourage and provoke and point people to remember what is true? I was thinking about this this week, and I thought of someone named Glenda Caro. Glenda's not here tonight. I don't know where she is. She didn't tell me she wasn't coming. I wanted to like highlight her a little bit. But during lockdown, I've spoken to her a number of times, and every time she's just telling me about other people. She's telling me about how this person's doing, taking this person a meal. Okay, yeah, I drove this person here and helping people in a bunch of different ways. She's amazing. It's her gift. Tari sent me a message this week, and she says that she got home and she had a rat in her house. And she wanted to deal with the rat. So what does she do? She calls Glenda. <laughs> she wanted Glenda to bring her vacuum cleaner, which I don't fully understand. I think Tari was going to suck up the rat and let it die in the back of the vacuum cleaner or something like that. You don't have to defend yourself. But you know what Glenda does? Glenda comes. She's at Tari's house, helps her deal with the situation and cared for her. Now, some of you are sitting there going, oh, man, if Tari called me, I'd ignore a call. Like, I don't want anything to do with her and that rat, you know. I've got stuff to do. Maybe that's not your gift, you know. Maybe the way God has gifted Glenda to care and invest into people and serve others is not your gift. Maybe you're gifted in another way. What is in your hand? What can you bring to serve this community? How can you build people up? How can you be a Glenda in your own way, in your own groove? We need you and your gifts. Harbor City is weaker if you don't bring the gift that God has given you. But you know what? You need us too. It seems cheeky to say, but it's true. You need this church. You need the people of this community. You need the gifts of this community to build you up. And we are weaker if any one of us holds back the things that God has put inside of us. This has been a tough year. I think this has taken a, a lot out of people. I know, chatting to many of you, what you've been through. Well done. We need at this time to be the church, ministering to one another with what God has put in our hands. The Bible teaches us that we need one another. I've said this a few times recently, but Christianity isn't about me and Jesus. It's about we and Jesus. Not me and Jesus, we and Jesus. And we're learning that as a community. Learning what it looks like to be the people of God together with him, doing the work that he wants us to do. We need one another. I think your simple WhatsApp to someone this week could change their week, could change their mood. You know, people telling me they're praying for me is powerful. You know what's also amazing is when you feel the power of those prayers. We had someone bring us a meal this week. It was, it was Kerry, or not this week, a few weeks ago. Beautiful um, chicken curry. And it was on the right day. We needed that meal that day, you know. It meant we didn't have to shop. It meant we didn't have to cook. It was really tasty. Kerry was very kind. 
But what is in your hand that you can bring to serve someone else, to build someone else up? What gift do you have? Churches gather, but we don't just receive. We gather to minister to one another and serve one another and build one another up. Secondly, Jesus presenced himself among them. It's really good to see you guys again. But it's even more amazing to know that Jesus is here with us. Every time we gather, where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. He's here right now with us. He's among his people. So, yes, it's good to see you. Yes, it's good to see one another. But Jesus is here doing work in this community right now. I don't know um, if you've experienced the presence of Jesus. I've never seen Jesus with my eyes. Um, I've never heard Jesus audibly, but I've been in his presence. And I've heard him speak to me through the words of others, through singing, through preaching, through many different ways. I've been with him and been impacted by him. And the best way I can describe it, because it's hard to explain, is the words of that old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If you haven't experienced that, where you're stressed and anxious and struggling, and you come and you see his face, and you come into his presence, and it's like a bomb just lifting that stress off of you, he can do that right now. Maybe you need to turn your eyes on him right now, even as I speak, and experience him with you here and now. I think many times that's happened to me on a Sunday. I've gathered with God's people like this. Sometimes I'm expectant that God is going to move. I have faith. I've got a word. Other times I'm not. You know, It's just another Sunday, just meeting together. Just honestly, just think, okay, let's do this thing. And you know what? God has been so faithful in those times, sometimes speaking to me with exactly what I need, meeting me exactly where I'm at. Jesus is here right now, and he wants to speak to his people. Thirdly, when we meet with him, he affirms the work of the cross. He says in verse 19, verse 21, and verse 26, peace be with you. And then in verse 20, he shows them his hands and his sides. It's kind of an interesting moment. eh? What, What is he doing there? Well, what he's doing is he's showing them where the nails went into his hands, where he was beaten and bruised, where he was crucified. It's like Jesus is saying, it really happened, guys. I really died. Like, it's not just like an optical illusion. It's not CGI. It's not a rumor that's going around. I literally died and literally rose again. I died for your sins on the cross. I was punished in your place. And supernaturally, by the power of God, I was raised to new life. And now I am the reigning king. I conquered Satan's sin and death, and now I rule and reign over all things. Look, see, here's the holes. And you see, I went through it. I've been resurrected. So why does he say peace with you? Because if you're a Christian here tonight, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're in Christ, you're at peace with God. You are at peace with God. That means God's not angry at you. God loves you. God isn't waiting to punish you. And God likes you. I always find that the hardest one to believe, strangely. God likes you. God is fond of you. You And I know some of you maybe don't think you're a sinner or a bad sinner or Jesus didn't need to die for you. He did. You are a worse sinner than you can imagine. He needed to die for your sin. But I wanted to say to those tonight who are going, Grant, you know what? I I get the whole thing. I've been in church for a while. I've heard this stuff before. 
but I've done a few things that I think would be hard to forgive. Or, or maybe he forgives them, but I think he's still a bit ticked off that I did them. And he's still a bit angry. I don't really think he likes me. He tolerates me because he has to. You don't know what I've done. When Jesus says, peace be with you, it means God's not angry at you. That punishment is gone. He's not waiting to get you one day. Like, I'll let you into heaven, but you're going to take a few first. No, the anger's gone. The punishment is gone. You're at peace with God. Peace be with you. If, you, um, if you're here tonight and you don't know if you're at peace with God, you don't know if God loves you or likes you, tonight you can leave here knowing that he does. Tonight you can make peace with God. Tonight you can have your sins forgiven. Tonight you can be his son or daughter. You can become a child of God this evening in this place. That greeting, peace be with you, is also a bit like our community time. Now, some of you reckon you're going to dodge that for the next while. And you're right. We can't do community time during COVID. So if you don't know what that is, often as a church, probably every second or third week, we would get up kind of between worship and the preach, and we would mingle, and we do a little meet and greet, some high fives, handshakes, hugs, whatever it is, because we care about community. We, we literally want to know one another. You know, we don't just want to kind of arrive and leave. Now, obviously, we can't do that at the moment, but that idea of community time comes from John 20. If you grew up in a more traditional church, you might know that moment of passing the peace, that moment where you would get up and speak to someone and say, peace be with you, and they'd say, and also with you, and do that whole greeting. I didn't grow up in one of those churches, but I've seen it on TV, so I know it happens. But that comes from John chapter 20. It's this moment of reminding each other that we are at peace with God, but also it's an encouragement that we can be at peace with one another. We live in a very divided world. We live in a very divided country. Even in this room, there could be reasons that we are separated, you know, things that could divide us. Actually, we've been forgiven by God so we can forgive others. We've been reconciled to God so we can reconcile with one another. Peace be with you. And if there's any bitterness or hurt or pain in your hearts tonight, God wants to deal with that so that you can live at peace with him and with one another. Jesus points to the holes in his hands and his side, and he says, peace be with you, also pointing to communion. Now, again, we're not going to be doing communion or breaking bread for a while. We'll let you know when that is happening again. But we see that happens in Acts 20. They assemble, they break bread, Paul speaks. So three things that happen in that church service. And then someone falls out the window and dies, but that's, that's a whole other story. We won't get into that tonight. But when we do communion, when we break bread, we remember the cross. We remember Jesus' body broken for us. We remember his blood shed to wash us clean and make us right with God. We remember, we, we receive, we rest in, and we live in the truth of what happened on the cross. And I love that Jesus gave us a meal to remember him by. He gave us a message, but he gave us a meal. Something that we can see and taste and touch and absorb, you know. Now, as we do that and as we internalize that, we're reminded of what Jesus has done. It goes inside of us. We taste it, the flavors. We remember the cross and his death. And as we eat and drink, we remember what we are hungry and thirsty for. What, is, what do we need to satisfy us? What truly satisfies us? Because there's so many things out there that we can look to to satisfy. I think that's been one of my concerns during lockdown is not being able to do these things that we've satisfied our hunger with other things. 
you know, our appetites have grown accustomed to other things. You know, we've, we've filled our time with this and that. I, I don't want to name anything to shame. Even good things that we could do that now actually have filled up our time and our headspace. And we're not that hungry for Jesus and the things he's hungry for. The things he tells us we should value. Actually, as we come to him and remember him, we are satisfied by him. Fourthly, Paul spoke to them and Jesus spoke to them. I love preaching. I've really hated doing it to a camera over the last while. I've been really looking forward to standing in front of you guys tonight. But I love preaching. I also love listening to sermons. And I probably listen to a couple a week to like hone my craft, but also to learn more about the Bible, about God, about His ways. You know, I want to learn. I'm, I'm a big learner. And there's a lot that you can just learn generally. Like this evening, I trust as I teach that you are learning things. You know, that generally there are encouragements and things that you're taking on. But there is something about when God specifically speaks to you in a meeting like this, which is so powerful. You know, I've been generally encouraged to pray and I want to pray more. I've been generally encouraged to be generous, to use my words, to build people up, not tear them down or, or whatever it might be. But there's something about when God specifically speaks to you. And I've had that a bunch of times, even during lockdown, People saying to me, Grant, that sermon from beginning to end was for me. And I'm like, well, that's amazing. What I prepared in prayer as well as I could, God literally spoke to you through the whole way through that message. God speaks to people specifically. Sometimes it's commissioning that actually you know God is calling you to do something. He wants something for you. He's got a task for you to do. Sometimes it's conviction and you know something needs to change. You know, maybe God wants you to stop something or start something, but it's never heavy. It never weighs you down. It builds up and encourages and sends us out. Actually, the Spirit empowers us to do that thing, and we feel excited about it. When the Spirit convicts me of sin, generally I'm like, I know I need to stop that, but I'm excited to stop it. I'm excited to do what God wants me to do, and I don't feel discouraged. I feel encouraged. Has God spoken specifically to you before? I was uh, in a meeting in Hillcrest, I was sitting upstairs at a really big church building at a conference. I was about as far back as you can go, right in the middle. And this guy got up to speak. And I remember the scene very, very well. He was speaking about calling. He was speaking out of the book of Hosea. And I remember him talking about this Hebrew word, masa, like this burden God puts on you to do something. And that whole message, it was like God was speaking to me. I think it's the first time I wept in a church service. I probably become a little bit weepier over time. I don't know, I'm getting softer or older or something. I cry a little bit more now. But it was the first time I've literally wept. I, I couldn't get up at the end. I, I could be wrong, but I think I sat in that spot afterwards for about half an hour because God had met with me and he'd spoken to me. It, it felt like heaven's spotlight was on me in that moment. It felt like I was on holy ground. It felt like God had met with me and I didn't want to leave. And I was confused by all of these other people that were just getting up and moving on because I thought, don't you see what's happening here? God is speaking, you know? And I just sat there. Now, like I said, I've been in church since I was 12 years old. That was when I was in my 20s. I've sat through a lot of good but ordinary church services over time where I haven't wept, where I haven't felt that sense of awe or the presence of God, where God hasn't met with me as specifically or significantly as that. But they've been good. They've been ordinary, but they've been good. I've been encouraged to do some of the things I've spoken about. Kind of like a lot of the meals that we have in our lives. They're, they're ordinary. They're good. They're not life-changing. 
but they do the job. You know, they're nutritious, they feed you, they strengthen you, they fuel you up, and you can keep living. Do you remember what you ate last Monday for dinner? Yasmin does because she meal plans like crazy, but the rest of you, I doubt you do. I have no idea. Last night, though, Shell and I went out for dinner. Today's her birthday. I wasn't going to embarrass her, but it's her birthday today. She's really, really old, 32, really old. But we went out for our first date in eight months. We had a really good meal. It was life-changing. I, I will remember that meal for a long time. I'll, I'll remember in detail the different elements of that meal because it was so, so good. No, I'm not going to go into details now. Come on, come on, come on. It was pork belly, but it was incredible. Um, I'll remember that meal for ages. I won't remember the beans on toast we have this evening, you know, to round off the weekend. I'm not going to remember some of these ordinary meals, even though they do the job. Now, that evening for me, sitting in that church in Hillcrest, was a life-changing meal. But there have been so many ordinary general meals that I've eaten over time that have fed me and strengthened me and built me up. So many ordinary church services where God is working in me, fueling me for the week, showing me the way, strengthening me, and I need those. In John 20, Jesus speaks to the disciples generally, but he speaks to Thomas specifically. Thomas receives the word of the Lord. And in verse 28, he responds and says, My Lord and my God. He worships in response. God has met with him. It's just like me at that conference. It's like Moses with the burning bush. Moses is in this place. He doesn't know God was there. Then the burning bush arrives and God says, Moses, take off your shoes because the place you're standing is holy ground. And Moses is like, I didn't know. Blown away that God is in that place. For some of you, I hope God speaks loudly and specifically to you tonight. But for many of us, this could just be an ordinary evening. We leave here encouraged. Our lives aren't changed. Our hair hasn't been blown back, but it's been good for us. I feel like I've got three specific words for us this evening. I think this evening there are some people who are prodigal sons who God is calling you back to himself. And I I think the call to you is to turn and respond to him. But I think you need to know that your father is running towards you with open arms. If during lockdown you've drifted from God, you've wandered from him, and he seems far away, I think the word of the Lord to you tonight is turn to him because he's chasing after you. The second specific thing I felt for tonight is I think some people here, or maybe this is for one person, have a hard heart. I actually think someone here, maybe you've seen a picture of this, or you've spoken about this, or someone has said to you, your heart is hard. And I think tonight God is saying to you, it is hard, and I want to give you a heart of flesh. I want to give you a new heart. And I think for some tonight, the Spirit of God wants to refresh you. Just very simply. Maybe even where you're sitting now, He just wants to come upon you and refresh you. If that's you, maybe you can just respond where you are. Maybe that's a specific Thomas word for you tonight. Lastly, Jesus sent them out in the Spirit's power on mission. John 20, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. The church doesn't just gather for itself kind of talked about that already, but we are gathered here tonight so that after this, we can go out and be scattered around the city to do what God has called us to do. And he doesn't send us out on our own. He gives us the spirit to empower us and help us and refresh us and lead us and be with us as we do what he's called us to do. God has a mission and a purpose for your life, but he also has power for your life 
to do what he's calling you to do. And every week as we leave gatherings like this, we are leaving reminded of who we are, reminded of what our purpose is, and sent out by Jesus on mission in the power of the Spirit to do those things. I just want to say some of you have done this incredibly during lockdown. I've seen some of your pictures and heard some of your stories as you have loved your neighbor, served the the poor and weakest in our city, as you've prayed, as you've pointed people to Jesus or invited people to church. Say, well done, Harbor City. I think it is such a win that we are able to gather again like this tonight. But if we just gather and don't scatter and leave here on mission, then this is a waste of time. I hope even tonight you are encouraged because Jesus is among us. I hope you're encouraged being with your brothers and sisters. I I hope you're encouraged by the singing. I hope you're encouraged by prayer. But I hope more than anything that the Spirit is empowering you and stirring you up and exciting you. That as we leave here tonight, we go out as missionaries into the city. We go out as representatives of the King. We go out as ambassadors of reconciliation. We, We go out to work with Jesus this week in the places we go and in the things that we do. There's a privilege to gather, but it's a privilege to scatter. I want to ask you to stand where you're at. And we're going to, we'll go out with one final song tonight. But maybe you can just respond in your own way to whatever you feel like God is saying to you. Just take a moment just to close your eyes and just wait on the Spirit. Holy Spirit, I I ask you to come upon us, each and every one of us, to fill us and empower us and to send us out into this week. I pray for your refreshing on Harbour City Church now as a tired and worn down. I pray for your refreshing. If you're that hard-hearted person tonight, would you just respond to God in your own way? Would you own that that's you? I think he wants to crack that hard, hard heart. And he wants to give you a fresh, new, soft heart. And if you're a prodigal who's wandered far from God, would you return home to Jesus now? Jesus, we just ask you to do your work among us and... And have your way in this church. We thank you for this evening. We thank you that we're able to gather again. And we pray, Lord, that your kingdom would come through this church. In Jesus' name.